is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Revisited podcast. This is Ben. Molly is uh, still on maternity leave. Uh, We are very excited. We've had a short little break, and in that time, she has given birth to young Trent, Tack as we call him, Trent Archer Carlson, and we are grateful to have him in this world, and Molly is resting at home and enjoying uh, daily life with a newborn with lots of love and very little sleep. So you've got just me today, but except it's not just me. I've got my buddy, Uh, Jason Moore, who we're going to interview today. I should actually say more formally, uh, author Jason Moore, author of the brand new uh, best-selling book on Amazon, uh, Both and Maximizing Hybrid Worship Experiences for the In-Person and Online Engagement. Jason, what's up, buddy? Ben, it is good to talk to you. I'm doing, uh, doing good this morning, except that you know, when you schedule a interview for daylight savings time uh, and you're not much of a morning person, you know, I'm having, I'm going to have to rack my brain a little extra this morning. Well, see, I thought you were actually, when you said schedule a meeting, I thought you were going to share my little technical glitch of sending you the wrong link. To which oh. I would say, pro tip everybody, when you have Mr. Online Worship for an interview, get your links right and don't send the wrong <laughs> link in the invitation, which is what I did. No, that's okay. No problem at all. Yeah, daylight savings is definitely a thing. I, I you know, as Methodists, the word disaffiliate is becoming uh, uh, very common in our lexicon. And me and some buddies agreed yesterday that we want to disaffiliate officially from daylight savings time. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure whoever invented it didn't have kids because they don't participate in daylight savings time in the same way. No, not at all. Not at all. Dude, since the last time we talked, your book has come out. And I mean, this is some exciting stuff. You know, you've been working on this for, and we're going to kind of kind of recap sort of the journey of this book. But I want to share, it's going to be in the show notes, a link to your book. Uh, but right now, your book is sitting, I think, number one new re- in, on the new release category in Christian preaching, number one new release category in Christian discipleship, and number two new release in Christian evangelism. I mean, we need to boost that that third category there just a tad to get you to number one, but Dude, your book's killing. How's that feel? <laughs> it's uh, surreal. I can't even believe it. Uh, the book came out a month ago today, actually, today that we're recording this on March 14th. And um, I never would have expected to have it be in the number one category uh, at all, but but definitely not for this long. I haven't checked this morning, but yesterday, last Last night when I looked, it wasn't you. You named all the categories and where it was at, and um, it just doesn't feel real. And uh, I'm really excited about it, mainly because 
I feel like what the book has to offer is accessible for any church. And, uh, and so I hope it's going to do a whole lot of good. That's the whole purpose of writing it. Well, let's go back on the journey. Cause I looked at the calendar and it's ironic that you and I, cause we've been talking about doing this interview for a little while and, and life and just everything, you know, keeps you busy, but it's ironic that you and I would actually talk today, March 14th. 2022, because according to my calendar, it was exactly two years ago tomorrow, March 15th, 2020, when we at my church canceled in-person worship for the very first Sunday, because we Mm. were talking for a couple of weeks, like we had said, hey guys, let's not shake hands. Hey guys, let's maybe keep a little distance when we welcome each other. There's this weird thing happening, no big deal, but let's be careful with germs. And then all of a sudden, the world was like, we probably don't want to have church for a couple of weeks. And then a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months, turned into many months, turned into now two years of where we find ourselves. Take us back to the very beginning or the earliest stages for you, at least when you sensed. I always think about Frederick Beekner famously said that, that, that vocation is where your deep passion and the world's great need collide and you being this online you know guru of digital media and the world's great need of like all of a sudden we couldn't do things in person like we once did take us back to some of those early sort of revelations that you had of of of, of where your thinking went how this thing eventually that became a book sort of came to be so um the interesting thing is i wouldn't have called myself an online guru prior to the pandemic. Um, I have spent 20 something years um, teaching churches how to do collaborative worship design and doing a lot around hospitality. Uh, You know, I was uh, fortunate enough uh, to come be with you in Savannah back in September to do one of my secret worshiper consultations. And pre-pandemic, I would do 25 of those a year where I would come and visit churches and uh, offer, you know, affirmation and and, uh, food for thought, uh, those kind of things. Um, You know, I, (laughs) I told my kids, when this whole thing began uh, and they decided to close school down, I, I said to my kids, you're going to remember this two weeks, the rest of your life, because I thought you, like you did, this was just a little thing, you know, I don't know what this is, but you're, they're going to close school for a week or two and, and then it'll be over. And wow, we're going to remember this forever. And who knew that it was going to last two plus years? You know, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I had a very panicked kind of moment again, almost exactly two years ago when um, six events that I was supposed to, to go do in person all canceled because of this thing called COVID that, uh, you know, seems like it's kind of a serious deal and all that. So I was I was a little freaked out. Um, and then a pastor from Denver who I had done a secret worshiper consultation for in 2019 called me and said, Hey man, uh, we implemented all the stuff you told us when you came to visit us, but now we're online and we can't use any of it, uh, because we're only online. I mean, you told us how to do stuff in the building. Will you watch our online worship and, and can you 
give us some feedback on what we should do. And so uh, I that may have been the very first online secret worshiper consultation I had done. I mean, I normally do them in person. So I said, sure, let me, uh, let me, I'll do that this weekend. And so that Sunday I watched with pen and, and notebook in hand, took lots of notes and realized that um, in, in watching the worship that he did, his church did, and they were online prior to the pandemic, but um you know, everybody had to pivot a little bit. So uh, in watching what he had done, I realized that, you know, so much of what I was going to tell him, other churches that had just gone online for the very first time needed to know too. And so after I presented all the, all my, my findings to him, I said, Hey, uh, would you mind if I turn this into a little article to help other churches and I'll make you anonymous? And he's like, no, go ahead. That's fine. And so I wrote this little article five ways to improve your stream before next Sunday. And it kind of went viral. And within a day I had one United Methodist annual conference call and say, Hey, we'd like to do a training, a, a webinar on that, on that article you wrote. Can you do that? And I'm like, I've never done a webinar. Yeah, I, I guess so. Let me, uh, give me a couple days to play around and see how you do a webinar. And the next day, another conference call and another conference. And in five days, 14 annual conferences, uh, asked me to do that. In fact, yours was one of them. That's kind of how, well, you, you were the person that made it happen in your conference. Cause you saw me post about it on someone else's, uh, uh, Facebook page and and the rest is sort of history you know I spent uh, all of 20 uh, doing these these webinars uh, called telling the old story in a new time which was all about how to do physically distanced worship and then in the fall I got really concerned about what happens after we did all of these worship services for people online uh, we'd gotten used to looking at the camera and talking to it. What happens when we bring people back in the room? Because we could either turn those people in the room into a studio audience, or more likely, we could turn the people at home into observers or spectators of what's happening in the room. And so um, I developed a second training called Both And, which uh, I have now done about 85 times or something since uh, December of 20, uh, December of 20. And, um, and then the book uh, came as a result of that, and uh, and here we are today. It's it's been quite the ride. Yeah, it's interesting. I, it, it's funny. There's so many angles that I want to take here, but just for people at home, especially now as we're getting more and more. I really hesitate to use the word back because time always moves forward. I hate using this term of going back, but as we get yeah. back into this at least routine of being in person more. Um, yep. We very easily, I'm finding, we can begin to diminish quickly the importance of online ministry, the importance of online connections. We can say, well, you know, that was good for a time when we all had to stay at home, but now it's back right. to real relationships. But the truth is, you and I met online because yep. um, we have a common friend, Lynn Wilson, who's been uh, uh, interviewed for this podcast as well. Lynn came to our winter conference a couple years ago, did a lot of innovative stuff. And, you know, I Facebook friended him after meeting him at the conference. And the whole thing was because you and him were in this little thread that somehow I saw, you know, because of Facebook mm -hmm. algorithm. And I was like, wait a minute, there are other conferences learning how to do this stuff that we should be learning. Yeah, I'm frankly tired of my annual conference being among the last to find these out. So I was like, wait, we got to send this on to somebody. And hey, <laughs> it worked and you, you've done a couple of webinars and, and we're grateful. But point of that is, A, you need to engage, be a lifelong learner and engage in new things. But B, 
how cool is it that like friendships can form and you and I didn't meet in person officially until September, almost, almost a year. Um, yeah. Go on a year after we had met online. So that's kind of neat how those things, those are legit connections that people need to remember. Um, yes. Still can give us. It's real. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I have to constantly remind folks, uh, the, the, the critics, the skeptics that people online are real people. And they really need Jesus, and they really are making connections through the worship that we do, both in the building and online. And uh, and I think our relationship is a perfect example of that. You know, uh, you were um, a, a regular conversation partner after we met at a uh, a virtual and online training, um, and that's a kind of a rare thing. I mean, I don't even know if that would have existed pre. 2019 that we would have connected in, in in as deep a way as we did because we were so everyone was online in a, in a different way after the pandemic hit yeah and and you know and and not that it's all um selfless on my part either as, as listeners of this podcast know because molly and i've done a few episodes on the our evolution of hybrid worship at our at our church um my doctor of ministry project which i'm hopefully finishing in the next few weeks and graduating is on creating and cultivating hybrid ministry how, how we do a both and within the church, within the local church. And so you, uh, I mean, the friendship was the added bonus, but really you're, I was like, man, this guy's kind of doing some stuff that I need to be learning and like kind of locking in with, cause this, this is not only good for my church, it's good for my project. And, you know, we kind of, kind of look in, at, at, at those who are sort of ahead of us on that and, and learn from it. So, you know, I'm grateful for those lessons. Um, it's interesting too, because what you also touched on critics, what are the yes. Critics? say about your work it's been two years now and probably you had a lot it was probably a honeymoon period I guess early on when when all of us were inside and everything was on zoom and all these tv specials were famous people showing us their kitchens because they were all at home recording on a Mevo, you know or, or their iPhone <laughs> um, but since then we've kind of gotten we many of us at different pacing fell back into a hybrid world what do the critics say about your work <clears throat> excuse me um well it's interesting um i have heard all sorts of different things um you know a lot of it is that worship online is not really worship you know that we're watching from home uh that people are lazy who don't come to the building um there's all sorts of reasons that folks are trying or, or want to discount what's happening in this moment uh, in fact quite honestly I, I there's a church that i was worshiping with regularly through the pandemic um that that uh, took on a very different uh, approach when a, a pastoral change happened and the new pastor was really more of a critic of the online experience of worship where the other one had fully embraced it and so I find my, found myself uh, looking for a new new church home because the church uh, that, that is actually in the book quite a bit um, uh, kind of went, went in a direction that uh, I, I felt kind of devalued the experience of online worship um, uh, there's a lot of conversation about embodiment that I've, I've had with folks that if you're not physically in the room and you can't physically touch people and uh, all of those things that uh, you, you know, that it's not really, that it's not really worship. Uh, you know, of course I address this in the book. Uh, you need your body to, to touch a keyboard and 
to you know you need your eyes to to watch your ears to hear and and yes there's a different connection that we make when we are in the room in a communal experience than we have when we are um on online it's a different experience um just recently my daughter went to see hamilton with uh this group from her school and she came home and told me about how she was moved to tears in one of the scenes. And I said, have you ever cried when you've watched that scene on Disney plus? And she said, well, it makes me sad, but I didn't cry, but there was just something about, you know, watching it with all those other people. And I felt, I just felt different. And I was like, yeah, it's a different experience. Um, so I, you know, the reason the book and my training was called both and, and not either or is I don't think one replaces the other, but I also think that we cannot deny what God is doing in these moments. And one of the things, I'm not sure if I got to include it in the book. I think I did. One of the things that I really appreciate about what you've been doing is that you have elevated your online worshiping congregation uh, to the same level of dignity and respect that you give to the people in the room. So one of my favorite practices that I uh, have been sharing and bragging on you uh, for uh, ever since I saw, I experienced it when I was with you in September, uh, was your passing of the peace, or not passing, I'm sorry, the your joys and concerns and how you invited everybody in the room to take out their phone. And I don't, I don't know that you said this in these exact words, but, uh, the way I describe it to others, uh, was that, you know, more or less you were saying, we used to just shout these things out from the room, but people at home can't shout loud enough for us to hear them. So we're all going to pray this morning with our fingers. And, and what was beautiful about that moment was that, I felt like not only did I get to offer up my my joys and my concerns, but I got to benefit from the joys and concerns offered by people I couldn't see. So the the entire experience was enhanced, not just for I don't think it just meant something to the people online that they got to participate too, but that the people in the room got to feel the presence of people that they couldn't see. And so they're real people, again, who really need Jesus, uh, who are um are just as important, you know, to, as others. So I would say the critics sometimes just think they can't see beyond their own experience that in the room seems to be the only way. And we've been suffering from that problem in the church for a very long time. People confuse Jesus in the context in which they met Jesus all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I love because the supplementation is the word that I'm I'm using. That, that online worship is a wonderful supplement to input, mm -hmm. and for for different people in different spaces and in different times and seasons, you know, you can go back and forth. You can, you know, uh, one can be a little more engaging than the other, just all depending. Um, and, and it's right. You're, I mean, your daughter's experience with live music is one thing. I mean, anyone who's a fan of going to concerts knows. There's a difference between Spotify and going to see a show live at Red Rocks. You know, I mean, it's yes, yeah, great music, but it's two very different experiences. Um, and it's not to say one's better than the other. It's saying it's to nuance it to say that contextually, there's a time and a place for both. Um, one of the things that you mentioned there were the joys and concerns, and thank you for the kind words. That was like a silly thing. I I've told listeners to this podcast. We sat and brainstormed, like, how can we get new eyeballs on our live stream? If we can't have people in the building, we've got to grow the church. 
how are we going to do that? And someone said, well, you know, we've got to, got to get new eyeballs on the live stream. I said, how do you do that? And I happened to have Molly was one of the main ones, my co-host of the podcast, who said, well, the more comments that happen on a live event, the more friction it happens. And it generates that algorithm thing Facebook does that it'll start pumping it out to new people. So she said, drive comments. I was like, okay, well, I mean, Molly, you're the YouTube, you know, guru, you know, leave it in the comments section and all that stuff. How do you do that? And then we got to talking and it came, what if everyone just shared their prayer concerns and just kept typing? And, and all it is, is it gets multiple people doing, doing something at the same time. But it evolved into this really sacred practice so that now you can see someone's face, by the way, talking about the in-person side, when they mm -hmm. sit in their pew and they type in their prayer concern that I'm not entirely sure they could say out loud whether it's being shy or maybe it's something that really tugs at their heartstrings and they'd be embarrassed to say it out loud. But when they type it from the pew 50 feet away from me and then I say it out loud, you see something come over them sometimes. It's mm -hmm. an experience both in person and online that, that it's the digital thing resonates in a different way. One of the books that I'm reading from our project is about the digital body of Christ in a suffering world. And the author mm. talks about her stage four um, cancer that she had and how digital communication really took on a sacredness because when you're a person who's suffering and sick, when people come in person to see you, they can see the discomfort you have with their condition. Like if I'm sick and you come to see me, Jason, and I'm really sick, I can look mm -hmm. in your eyes and tell how uncomfortable you are seeing me in this state. And what that does without meaning to is you're there to care, but you're accidentally casting an extra burden on the person who's receiving you because they know how uncomfortable they're making you, right? And so the author makes yeah. the point that digital communication is actually a beautiful thing because it relieves that burden. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, you know, some of these things can can touch you in a way that 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 it it sort of evens the playing field. And so, like, what it's a long way to saying too. Another example is our shut-ins have become really engaged with the online. I have only yes. who know how to use their iPads, and and they physically cannot. Then they've told me, Ben. COVID or no COVID, I'm probably not coming back to the building, but they are sitting there on their couch. They're in their recliner. They're at home. The TV, the iPad is a very sacred layout that they have every Sunday. And to see their sanctuary, to see faces they know, and to engage in the comments, man, in a previous life, that kind of stuff would never have been able to happen for a shut-in. Yeah, absolutely. I um I'm doing a training now and all this material is included in the book, but I do a training called uh, both in to be continued where I make the argument that we have to continue our online worship that we cannot uh, even when the pandemic is over, we can't give up what we've experienced and and just the wonderful great commission opportunity that presented itself when all this began. Um but I talk about um, 13 different reasons that I think we need to continue that aren't just about people that are sick, uh, you know, so shut-ins are certainly one and not just shut-ins who are in a nursing home. I know churches that have uh, ministered to incarcerated folks. So they've actually streamed the worship into prisons and um, one church, they do this really cool thing where uh, at the end of worship, people who are worshiping are allowed to approach the mic and share 
well wishes to their uh, friends and family members who are in incarcerated. And so uh, it's actually grown their church. They said they've had people show up because they heard about this church doing this thing, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you, you have not only that, but you have people who are shunned or have felt shunned by the church uh, for whatever reason, maybe human sexuality. It's uh, they have too many tattoos. They, um, you know, think they're too unholy to walk into a church building, whatever it might be. Uh, and so you have people who have been able to connect with us since um since the pandemic hit, uh, you have people who work on Sundays who can now worship with us because we worship at a later time. Uh, anyway, I won't go through all of them, but they're like 13 different reasons. And only uh, one of them really has anything to do with not feeling well. And that might be the shut in uh, issue. Um and so uh, I, I, I make the argument in the book, and I, it's one of my favorite things to share with folks because I think they have a major aha moment when I, when I frame it this way. But hybrid worship is really a return to our roots. Uh, Paul conducted hybrid ministry. And so all throughout Acts, he's preaching to the people in person. And then, of course, he starts to write these letters from prison and, you know, and uh, I assume other places. Um, and so these epistles uh, formed the foundation of our, a lot of our theology. And no one discounts Paul's writings as, well, I shouldn't count because he didn't he wasn't in person. Uh, and so really, if we will grab hold of this moment, it's it's really a return to hybrid ministry, which is what the church formed out of. Paul was preaching and leading the church, and he also says regularly, "I long to be with you. I wish we were together." Paul wanted to be in person too, but but oftentimes he used what was at his disposal, and at that time, of course, it was letters, not the internet. But uh, it's this is really kind of a a return to our roots. Yeah, I also like. And among these many reasons that that, that you've listed, uh, you know, I know you know that there's that the, our, our hyper mobile society that that mm -hmm. hybrid ministry can really. I think about a family at my church. The husband's a pilot, and so you know, with and they're that generation that they're old enough to have grown kids and grandkids and an aging parent. So they're that generation of of taking care of like three generations, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And husband mm -hmm. travels a lot. He, he's a pilot for Delta and, and he's literally all over the world. And so pre COVID, you know, I'd see them once every four to six weeks because his travel schedule is, you know, pretty, pretty rigorous. And yep. COVID they're, they're online every, every Sunday. And, 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 and Matt will check in like, Hey, joining you from Dubai. Like he set his phone alarm for whatever time 11 a.m. Eastern time is in Dubai. Matt has set his alarm and he's there in hybrid worship or he's in some other place in the world. And it's really cool that it can connect people who otherwise pre-COVID or pre-online worship just would miss, would miss worship. Or I think about like young families. And this probably falls in the category of not feeling well, but you know. This is the time of year that there's RSV, stomach bugs, ear infections, and then COVID also that small kids are kind of just all getting through the episodes. And I'll get a yep. note from, from a family like, hey, sorry we couldn't make it, but here's a picture of the stroller 
this is me walk, like I was watching my phone, putting my phone on top of the stroller, just trying to walk and keep the baby happy outside. So we get because we've been sick all weekend, but we watched worship and we were able to worship with you during this sort of walk. And they wouldn't have had that otherwise. So it, yeah, it, it definitely meets needs. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, um, give me and I should have prepped you ahead on this. Give me three to five or more. It's fine. What, you know, two years into this, what are some reminders that you're seeing across the, the hybrid worship spectrum? What are those things that maybe we did well two years ago, or we were mindful of two years ago that you're like, Hey, hey, hey guys, knock, knock. Don't forget to do these five things that you used to do really well. And that we've kind of sort of slipping away from. Sure. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting that we are just a couple, what is it one week out or two weeks out whenever, uh, uh, Ash Wednesday just happened. And, um, I posted on Facebook. I said, what, uh, I'd love to hear your stories about how you made Ash Wednesday both and this year. And I had so many people say, Oh, I forgot. I didn't think about that. Uh, we did it last year, but we didn't do it this year. And so it's like, because we started to return to the building, we have kind of forgotten that, um, that we still have to connect in that way. And so a lot of people didn't figure out how to do imposition of ashes for people who wouldn't be present in the building and didn't offer instructions or uh, didn't do send ahead kits. You know, it, it's, we've got to remember that, there is still a percentage of our people who are not going to be back in the building, who may never come back to the building. So, you know, little things, there's a lot of low hanging fruit out there. Um, again, one of the reasons I love what you do with your, your joys and concerns is that it allows everyone to participate. I often hear churches when I secret worship say things like, if you've got a prayer request, just shout it out. Well, again, you can't shout loud enough at home for them to hear you. Uh, or, um, I was in a church service back in January and the pastor said, uh, this was in person. Pastor said, um, Hey, just what's name something that you're thankful for in, in 2022, but didn't say, and if you're in the chat, go ahead and put it in the chat. So we, a lot of it is that we only give our instructions for people in the room. One of my pet peeves is that we often say, let's stand together for the reading of the word or let's stand together as we sing. Do we really think people in their living rooms are standing? Probably not. So what if we instead said, let's stand in body or in spirit, or my favorite way to say it is let's stand together if we're here in the room, or let's find a posture that will allow us to fully or participate uh, at home. Uh, so find whatever posture that might be for you. Um, that probably means I'm going to sit up a little straighter on my couch, but I'm probably not going to stand, you know, for the reading of the word or for scripture or for uh, singing or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's, it's little things like that. Um, a big one is that during the pandemic, uh, well, it's, we're still in it. It's not, it's not over yet. But when we were in lockdown, we addressed the camera the entire time. I mean, because everyone was at home. So we looked at the camera, eye contact matters. Uh, the truth is that in online worship, streaming worship, pre pandemic, you didn't really have to look at the camera. Um, it, it, it just wasn't a, a practice that was 
was common for most of us. Um, when the pandemic hit and everybody was at home, we shifted to looking at the camera. And I think we woke people up to what it feels like to actually be talked to in our online experience of worship. So when we get people, when we got people back in the building, some of us stopped looking at the camera. And after a year of sitting through worship where the, the pastor was actually looking and talking to you, there's a disconnect that happens when the camera is off to the side or far away and the, the pastor never actually addresses you. So um, eye contact creates a sense of intimacy and it makes the people on the other side of it feel connected. So I don't think you should look at the camera all the time or not filming a television show, but put in your notes a camera icon in a few places to help you remember to look up and sometimes look at the camera. The same way you look at the people sitting over on the left and on the right and in the balcony, you want to look at the camera sometimes too in order to make people feel uh, like they're a part of it. So those are... Those are some of the things I would say that I think people have kind of forgotten about what we did before. Uh, I guess the last one I would say is um, I think it's important that we include people in the sacraments in our worship online as well. And I know that uh, depending on where you're listening from and uh, what your polity is in, in your particular area. Uh, that means you have to be a little creative. I know some conferences in the United Methodist Church anyway uh, have forbidden online communion. Others have embraced it. Um, you know, follow whatever rules you're supposed to, but but recognize that you, you want to offer it to people at home too. So that could mean, if it's permissible, walking them through how to participate in homes. So grab a cracker and some juice or, you know, water or whatever. Uh, that That's one way. Uh, way number two would be, uh, hey, we've uh, pre-consecrated some elements this week. Stop by and pick them up. Next week's a communion week. And so we want you to be able to participate in communion with us. Stop by and pick up your elements. Uh, maybe even put them in the mail uh, to somebody that couldn't be there to pick it up physically. And then, my favorite one is um, there's a church that I have done a lot of work with in Columbia, South Carolina, who uh, they do a drive-by communion. So when people are in worship, they get the little rip and sip packets and everybody does their communion there in the room. And then uh, the Sunday I was with them back in August, I walked out of the building and there were 30 cars lined up. Those people worshiped online and they got in their car and they drove over and uh, rolled down their window and somebody with gloves and masks on walked up and handed them their elements and spoke the, the, the words of, you know, body of Christ broken for you, Christ's blood shed for you. And they got to participate in a both hand way. So um, I know that was a long list, but, but a lot of things I think we were doing better when everyone was at home uh, have to be recaptured, uh, reinvigorated as we think about what happens when we get people back in the building. No, all that's really good. You know, the one that, that the camera thing drives me crazy. Um, you know, we, we all trained ourselves. Now, it wasn't always fun, you know, because you, you prefer live people to, to make eye oh, yeah. contact with. But but if you if you pretend that that camera lens is an eyeball, I mean, you know, let's be honest. We, you know, you could kind of get there and, and at least get halfway comfortable with it. But now to like to see everybody get away from it. I always use the analogy, like there's a reason why shows like The Office and Parks and Rec, you know, really gained popularity. And it's because they did the whole TV trick that we call breaking the fourth wall, you know, yes. where, where, where you see everything happening and interacting and you're kind of an observer. But but throughout TV history, like there's something different when an actor then 
goes from what's there to breaking that fourth wall right at the camera, they draw you in immediately. And to just sprinkle that in, like you said, doesn't have to be constant, but just to kind of draw them in every so often reminds them not only that they're there, but that they have an active role. Plus it just kind of, it, it makes a connection, um, you know, via television or whatever screen you're watching on that, that makes it different than if you're just observing everything happen like you're a peeping Tom or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and in fact, I, I quoted you about that in the book. One of my recommendations is breaking the fourth wall, and, and that was your uh, contribution. Uh, and I agree 100% that we want to make sure we do look to the camera and include those people. I, I must say it again. The people online are real people, yeah. and they really need Jesus, and they, they really want to feel connection. And so I think that's where transcendent worship uh, lives is in these moments where we invite people who are not in the room to participate uh, in part by the way that we talk to them and that it's not just observe what's happening here in the building like uh, that's the most important thing but that that uh, we're a part of it you know one other metaphor that I sometimes use that seems to help people kind of understand in, in a, a better way uh, what I mean when I talk about both things is just to think about professional sporting events you know most of us will never go to the Super Bowl but we turn it on and we fully participate you know we cheer we uh, we, we have our snacks we tailgate we do all that stuff um, and it's different than what's I mean we'd all rather go to the, the game I think most of us um, but but we still experience something we're experiencing it at the same time it's a both end experience the game is happening in real time there's some people at the stadium that get that communal experience and there are advantage to, advantages to that and there are also advantages to sitting at home and watching the instant replay and hearing the commentators and you know having more comfortable seating and not dealing with weather and you know all, all of those all those things yeah, you know, and, and one thing I would say to leaders who might be listening, and I, I took this from you from one of our earliest conversations, that giving people dignity who are at home, it does require extra work. You know, mm -hmm. as worship leaders, you have to add some verbiage to what you normally say. We get so locked in the same pattern of saying the same things in the same ways that, that we don't realize how exclusive that can be. Um, and, and, and early on, you really kind of pushing, well, me, but pushing all of us to, to say, what can you say that can bring, draw more people, especially folks who are at home, you know, into a hybrid worship experience? It is not just about stand if you're in the room, turn to page so-and-so, as though everyone owns a United Methodist hymnal or something. And really, it <laughs> extra words like, you know, uh, I'll say, please stay in body and or in spirit uh, for our call to worship. Printed in your order of worship. If you are worshiping in person, if you're worshiping online, the words will appear on your screen. You know, little. It, yes, it's extra words, but it's to remind people. Those little prompts give them that that sense of dignity. I think that that you talk about that's so important. And quite frankly, I mean, this is really a word to worship leaders if they're listening. Um, it's hard. And I hear, I hear, we all can kind of bemoan, like, yeah, oh God, it's hard. Do I still have to do this? Well, yeah, unless you just want to be a lazy worship leader. Like, if you want to be a lazy <laughs> worship leader, be a lazy worship leader. But, but, but I would contend that that just as much as we criticize or fear that digital worship creates passive uh, worship, the way we lead worship creates passive worship more so. If you lead in a way that you don't encourage people to engage 
they're not going to engage. But if you lead in a way that that drives engagement, they'll engage. You know, and mo- there's yep. a re- I, I learned this in a side, but I learned so professor in seminary who was a pastor for the seminary professor. He said, you know, we criticize people who come to church on Christmas and Easter as though they're like the worst people in the world. He said, you know how much work we put into Christmas and Easter? What if we put that much work into every Sunday? Would people yeah. more? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Putting that much. We're getting what we're putting into it, in other words, out. Um, Jason, I, this is such a great conversation. We could go forever. I mean, we're buddies already, but just this whole topic is so great. What final words of encouragement do you maybe have for listeners out there who are sort of saying, okay, I'm not going to get an A plus on the hybrid worship exam, but you know, I want to kind of let's let's get this thing, you know, more on track to make it a real engaging thing in a hybrid way. You know, uh, a big part of it for me is not that you have to be like technically excellent and, you know, super um, slick and have lots of incredible equipment and all that. I think um, that authenticity is more important than being slick or perfect. I truly believe that. And so I think part of it is just focusing on intentionality on our language and what we're inviting people into and so uh, don't be discouraged if you don't have um, the budget to match the big box church uh, down the road from you that's got a media staff of you know 10 and all that kind of stuff Um, uh, so that's that's number one authenticity is more important than being slick or perfect Um, number two I really believe that the most important thing we can focus on in 22 is building meaningful relationships. Uh, And that can happen online and in the building. I believe every church needs to think about what their discipleship, or I might even call it a relational pathway is. How are you going to get somebody who tunes in on Sunday to take the next step into your faith community? And that may mean participating in an online Bible study, or it may be coming to the building. But I do think that we will have just watchers of worship rather than worshipers online if we don't ever invite them into relationship. And part of that means getting to know them through things like having an online connect. We often call it a card. I don't think card's the right word for online. Uh, Are you going to send that to me in the mail? Is that a piece of paper? Uh, I like online connect form better than online connect card. But um, collecting their information so that you can actually be in relationship with them. I think a lot of churches right now are like, this is a mystery to us. We, we don't know who any of these people are. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things that I think uh, we want to focus on. And, uh, and just, I remind people all the time that when the technology fails, when it doesn't go the way you thought, Jesus is still Lord. And uh, we put too much pressure on ourselves sometimes. Uh, I recognize that this has been the hardest season of ministry for most pastors I know. Uh, in fact, I don't know if I've met anybody who hasn't told me this has been the hardest season of ministry they've ever had. Uh, so don't carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. I mean, God, God's going to do God's part in all of this. Um, doesn't give us permission to be lazy about it. Uh, we got to do some work, but it's worth it. The work is worth it. Absolutely. That's really, really encouraging words. Um, Jason, thank you for your time. For folks who are listening, we're going to have in the show notes um, links to your socials. We're going to have links to buy your book, both and. Um, and I want to play real quick. I always do a lightning round with interviewees if you want to play along. All right. Uh, what, All right. This to be a more high tech show. I'll have some intro music, but we'll skip that for now. 
three questions. You get no more than 10 seconds to answer oh, man. the question, okay? Okay. Number one, ideal vacation, beach, mountains, lake, other. Oh, gosh. Um, beach. I like the sun. I like warm temperatures. Okay. That's good. That's good. Uh, number two, and I, I've gotten some pretty good answers on this one. If you could do any other, wave a magic wand, do any other vocation in the world outside of your church work and everything else, wave a magic, go back to eight-year-old Jason, what would you do with your life? My dream as a kid was to go work in Hollywood, and so I wanted to make movies and uh, all that kind of stuff, and I've gotten to dabble a little bit there, but uh, if I could have taken another career path, it would have been to make make movies like The Avengers and uh, Star Wars and things like that. Nice, nice. We hadn't ventured too terribly far from that, actually. I mean, you kind of stayed, <laughs> stayed on course. Um, that, that's not bad. So that kind of is a nice lead into number three. And I always make the third one relatively unique to each person I interview. So here's your question that's unique to Jason. You're on a desert. All right. You can only take one television series or movie series. That's movies with multiple sequels. Mm. And that's the one that you take to watch. What's the one? And I know you're a big sci-fi guy. Man, that's hard because I would I would have said Star Wars right off the bat, um, but there's some there's some real uh, low points in the Star Wars universe. Um, but there's it's expansive. Uh, I would say um, one of my favorite series of all time is Back to the Future. I'm a huge Back to the Future guy. Uh, every one of those movies is spectacular. So if I had to take one and I didn't want to have a bad day uh, watching, I'd probably uh, take that along with me. Nice. That's good. That's good. Jason, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate your friendship, your, your kindness for including uh, our church in your book. Uh, but more importantly, I appreciate the great ministry that you have on ongoing with uh, churches, annual conferences, and now the world through your book, Both And, as we try to navigate this brave new world that we find ourselves in and using your resources as a tool to a compass, if you will, uh, to help us find where God's leading us next. So thank you for your time. No problem, Ben. Thank you for the, uh, the invitation and, uh, and for all the contributions you've made to this world too. You're quoted quite a bit in my book. So glad to know you and, and thankful for our friendship. Everybody, that's uh, been another episode of the Faith Revisited podcast. We appreciate your listening, downloading, subscribing. Leave us a five-star rating uh, as you feel led. Molly, again, is on maternity leave. We are wishing her and young Trent well as they enjoy newborn life uh, together, and she will be back very soon. But until then, we'll see you next time for the Faith Revisited podcast.